It's a big day. It's a big day for the Writers Guild. The resolution is we won. After the nearly five-month writer strike has come to a conclusion, we're going to take a deep dive into the nitty-gritty of the writer's deal. We're going to dive into the AI, streaming residuals, a lot more of what they were asking for, and find out, was it a good deal? Because of the new writer's strike deal, Marvel Studios has announced that they're going to be starting taking pictures for an X-Men movie. Finally, getting some X-Men news. Kind of talk about our dream writer and director pairing for that news, and a ton more here on the Movie Nights Roundtable including, of course, the box office breakdown. So stick around, because the episode starts right now. We have a hell of a show today, bro. There is so much to cover. My God, what yeah. a week. Oh, what a week that, indeed. That writer's strike ended, and all the movie news just came out. Yeah, and, and you want to know what's yeah. even funnier? Huh. This airs on a Tuesday. Yes. We're recording on a Sunday. Yes. On the Monday between, the actors and the producers go back to the table... I swear to Christ. Don't get me wrong. I want a deal to happen as quick as possible. But our luck, they close a deal in one day, and then we're once again a week late on news. Ideally, they close it Sunday or Thursday, and we get the agreement by Sunday. Yeah. That would be ideal. That would be really cool. But fuck us. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's the moral. (laughs) Fuck us, everybody. But yeah, uh, as we mentioned, we have a hell of a show today. Uh, It consists of two main topics for our movie news section of the show, a ton of b-roll headlines you guys are in for a treat there and then of course the best part of the show at the very end and we'll we'll get there in a minute but (laughs) it's not even going to be intelligible (laughs) no 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 no, no, it's not but i i love it um by the way i took a sneak peek at it and it's a doozy oh boy uh so here we go for the first story nicholas what do you got for us what happened last week well as we said just recently the wga has closed a deal yes um Unfortunately, when we reported that, the details of said deal were not public information yet. Well, guess what? <laughs> now they are. They are now. Uh, so I'm going to pass this over to you mm-hmm. to break us down with the big uh, sort of takeaways from it. You know, a lot of stuff was on about AI, writer's room sizes, and residuals as well. Yeah, so the whole agreement is about 90-something pages. So obviously I'm not going to go into every bullet point define on page one yeah (laughs) but i will kind of go and talk about some of the bigger contributions that people got and kind of dive into more detail as it's required Mm -hmm. um one thing is the minimum the minimums increases um the mba minimums will increase by five percent in year one four percent in year two and then three and a half percent in year three which is not as much as they originally wanted, but I think it's only down by 1% each. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very good for a minimum increase. Um, another well, we knew going, going in, it wasn't going to be... They weren't going to get no. 100% of everything no, 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 they no, asked no. for. Yeah, no, and there's, comprom- there's compromises yeah. on both sides here, and I'll kind of dive into that. Mm-hmm. Um, another huge one, um, health and pension contributions for writing teams. So I don't know if you guys knew this. In the past, whenever a team of writers like Marcus and McFeely for uh, Captain America and the Avengers movies, mm-hmm. uh, their salary, health care, and pension were all one that they split in half for okay. any type of writer teams. Now, that d- doesn't mean people who wrote a movie. It means teams. And if you ever want to know the difference, by the way, this is a fun thing. If it's credited in the credits and it says the word and, A-N-D, that means that someone wrote a draft and then another person wrote a draft. If it's the and symbol, they wrote it together. Mm, I did not know that. I hope that's right, and I didn't get it backwards. I'm going to feel like a fucking moron if that's the case. It's one of the two. Yes, it's one of the two. If I'm wrong, please correct me in the comments. Man, I really hope that that's right. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, 
Um, now, for if you're a writing team, you each get 100% of salary and uh, healthcare contributions. That's big. Specifically healthcare. A salary, you might still have to split, but the healthcare, you get full Coverage. each individually. Yes. Um, now, let's dive into AI, which was a huge one that we were talking about for nearly five months going into this. Well, that one had a lot of ramifications, one outside and just for the studios going forward. Yes. Just in terms of hollywood as a whole yes big time so here is something that the writers i think won mm-hmm. here but there was some compromise here because originally they were like ai completely ban it they didn't get that but they did get severe protection mm-hmm. and this is what it kind of broke down into ai can't write or rewrite literary material and AI-generated material will not be considered source material under the new contract, meaning that AI-generated material can't be used to undermine a writer's credit or separated rights. Good. A writer can choose to use AI when performing writing services if the company consents and provided the writer follows applicable company policies, but the company cannot require the writer to use AI software when performing writing services. Mm -hmm. Very good. The company must disclose to the writer if any material given to the writer has been generated by AI or incorporate AI-generated material. Very good. Here's where it gets weird. The WGA reserves the right to assert the exploitation of writer's material to train AI as prohibited by MBA or other law. It's very broad. Yes. Basically, this is what was one of the final points that kept the deal from happening. Okay. Is The WGA is basically saying, we think it's illegal, if you really look at the legal terms to train AI using our scripts because it's copyrighted material. Yes. The studios were saying that's not illegal. And it was going back and forth. And basically, what all this bullet point says in layman's terms is, we think that that's illegal, so we might sue you for that if you do it. That's literally all that bullet point means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's what they could come up with. Yeah. So we'll see when it comes to that. Um, another fun thing... Uh, there's a guaranteed second step. This is actually really huge. Uh, what that means is typically rewrite fees are a lot cheaper than first draft fees. And if a studio wanted to pay a big-time writer to write their script, what they might do is hire a low-time writer to write a first draft, and then so that way they could pay this big-time writer just a rewrite fee. Mm-hmm. Well, now, um, if someone is hired to write a second draft or if a spec script is bought, the company now has to guarantee a at least one more draft is written by the same writer to incorporate some extra pay for them. I think that's really great. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. So if they want to hire the big person to do the rewrite, it's a third draft? Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, they'd have to spend a lot more money. Yeah. Anyway, now let's get into my favorite part of it, the streaming residuals. Mm-hmm. It's called a residual. It really kind of works like a bonus, but it's very interesting, and I, I love this. By the way, this was broken down excellently in Dan Merle's video on the same topic. You should I highly recommend checking it out. It's very, very well done. I'm going to read this verbatim, and then I'll kind of break down what it means. The Guild negotiated a new residual based on viewership, made for streaming series and films that are viewed by 20% or more of the service's domestic subscribers within the first 90 days of release, or in the first 90 days of any subsequent exhibition year, get a bonus equal to 50% of the fixed domestic and foreign residual, with views calculated as hours streamed domestically of the season or film divided by the runtime. Quick breakdown. My eyes just went cross. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a set residual that they're not releasing. You get 50% of that residual if 20% of the domestic subscribers 
watch the film or show within the first 90 days. Okay. Um, and if it's a new season of a new year, like just whatever the new season is. Yeah, so if your initial fee is 100K, mm-hmm. if you hit that goal, you get 50K back. Or an additional 50K. Yeah, like let's say there's 100K to give out. Yeah. If you hit that goal, you get 50. Yes. Um, now I'll continue. And then it provides examples here. For instance, projects written under the new agreement on the largest streaming services would receive a bonus of $9,031 for a half-hour episode, $16,415 for a one-hour episode, or $40,500 for a streaming feature over $30 million in budget. The bonus structure will take effect for projects released on or after January 1st of 2024. This is big. And... If you look at a bunch of shows that have come out recently, what Dan Merle does in his videos, he takes the... Because he, he always calculates by the runtime divided by the total number of hours streamed. Mm-hmm. And he figures out how many subscribers have watched it and then looks at the year it came out and says, okay, this year they had this many subscribers, so 20% would have been this number, so all of these shows would have gotten the bonus. Yeah. And so it's a great breakdown. I highly recommend you watch it. But yeah, so essentially... Um, this is great for really, really big shows and really, really big streaming movies. And you might be thinking, well, this kind of sucks for lower time writers. Not really, because as we're going to get into, there's more protections for new coming writers. And if they get onto these shows, which this new agreement makes it easier to do, they're in for a big bonus day. Mm-hmm. Which, let's get into that now. And uh, this will be the last one I really break down. Because yep. this is like one of the last big ones they were asking for. And this is where the WGA had to take some compromise. But I overall think this is really good. A staffing and duration provisions for an episodic series. Uh, development rooms. Only three writers are convened before a series order, or at least three writer-producers, including the showrunner, are guaranteed 10 consecutive weeks of employment. Mm-hmm. And also, the contract finally has uh, defined a showrunner as a writer. Mm-hmm. They got it. Thank God. Post green light rooms. Here is the minimum staffing that they were wanting. The following requirements are triggered depending on the number of episodes ordered, unless a single writer is engaged to write all episodes. So the studios were able to get that, which I actually think is a good idea. That was something I was yeah for. Yeah, yeah. but it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Either you're writing all the episodes, or you have to follow these rules, yeah. which I think is cool. And here's how it goes. If you have six episodes or fewer, you must have three writers in the writer's room, and all three must be writer-producers. Because mm-hmm. that's a bump in pay. If you have 7 to 12 episodes, you must have at least 5 writers in the room. Three of them have to be writer-producers. If you have 13 or more episodes, you must have 6 writers in the writer's room, and 3 of them have to be writer-producers. So those are big for like sitcoms, where sitcoms, you're getting into 20 episodes and yeah. such. Yeah. And e- even um, just like Netflix series, which usually have about 13 episodes. Yeah. You know, really, really good for them. And if you look at most shows, most follow that anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, another, I I said that was the last thing. One more thing. Uh, They restarted an old thing that hasn't been a thing for a while called the Showrunner Training Program. And an agreement was reached to renew $250,000 in annual funding for the Showrunner Training Program to help uh, smaller time writers get training to become showrunners at some point. Oh, that's awesome. It's very cool. So, yes, overall... Huge fucking win for the writers. Oh, my God. Yes. What a deal. I mean, they wouldn't have taken anything that they didn't feel was worthy after, what, 148 days of striking? Like, yeah. 
they weren't going to settle for scraps at no, that point. No. no. Also, one thing that the studios outright won on, I have to mention, um, and this is more reports came out about this, in like Hollywood Reporter and Deadline. <laughs> mm-hmm. Apparently, as they were getting ready to finish it, the writers were like, by the way, we don't want to, <laughs> we want to be able to honor other picket lines. <laughs> and apparently, Bob Iger left the room, <laughs> and David Zaslav said, "We are on the five yard line. We've given you everything you want." And now you want to talk about this? <laughs> and so literally they were just like, no. <laughs> Not going to happen. Bob Iger left the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they aren't going to be able to honor other picket lines, mm-hmm. um, at least prior to going to work. Yeah. Meaning they can't just go on strike and not work. But if they show up to work and there's a picket line, they don't have to cross it, essentially. Okay. That's... So, yeah. I mean, they've been picketing outside anyway, so yeah. it's like, I feel like they're going to encounter that. Yeah, and by the way, if you want to know if this yeah. is a good deal or not, the deal is so good that it's not even ratified, but they've already greenlit people to go back to work. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this like, is ha- this is like, this is going to go through. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a done deal here. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. Wow. Huge wins for the writers. Do you have anything you do want to add? No, I mean, congratulations to all the yes. writers, um, and good luck to all the actors as the negotiations are happening or have happened at this point. Yeah. Maybe still happening while you're watching this. I hope so, just for the sake of our show. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and especially with this coming out now, the actors know, like, they can get a good deal. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. You know, that's because the writers won wholly on this. And, they won the, and the thing is, this will be the basis because the reason why the writers won took so long is because the first time they tried to negotiate months ago, the studio said the, the best deal you're going to get is the DGA one. Mm-hmm. So now they're going to come into the actors and say the best deal you're going to get is the writers one. And the actors are like, well, that's a pretty good deal. So fucking, maybe yeah. that's fine. You know? <laughs> the writers saw the DGA one. They're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> the DGA just goes like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> big time. Big time. Although I will say with all of this, I did enjoy watching the directors who don't want to do press. Yeah. Have to, have, to, do have, to have probably done <laughs> PR training. Yeah. And been the ones out there supporting their movie which honestly i find the directors more interesting than the actors a lot of the time i like the creative process behind it yeah but it's just funny because like they're behind the camera people oh yeah and they were not ready for it oh big time big Uh, time but and we'll get into some of them having to do it uh there's a story later on in the show about gareth edwards which is interesting yes it's great yeah and uh with that down let's move on to our next main topic story our final main topic story nicholas what do you got for us next yes well now this sort of ties into the writer's strike being over uh marvel studios executives are eyeing to meet uh with writers uh toward the end of the year here to start pitching for x-men jobs finally (laughs) (laughs) so uh like we said this is coming from deadline i'm gonna read a little bit from the article here yeah Uh, Sources tell Deadline that Marvel will start setting writer meetings later this fall for pitches on its anticipated X-Men movie. Insiders add that there's no rush to fill the job since the film hasn't even been dated, and it's more likely that the writer decision will be made at the top of 2024. Marvel declined to comment, which means it's It's true. true. So um, this is kind of what I wanted to bring up as well. I'm going to throw a question at you because it's not confirmed in any article. Go on. When it says pitch an X-Men movie, do you think Marvel knows how the X-Men come back to the MCU? And they're just pitching, this is how they come back, what's your idea? Or do you think it's, how the fuck do mutants come to the MCU, what's your take? <laughs> you know, there's there's a great there's a great thing here that yeah. just happened recently. So, uh, 
for those that have watched the show know that I I play D and D, mm-hmm. and currently I am actually uh, DM. I am DM for the campaign. Um, and I sort of ran into this issue where, well, I'm presenting them with this, but I don't know how it gets solved. But <laughs> it has to happen, you know. Yeah. And it's a great thing because as the DM, you can just hear what they have to say, and then if you just like what they do, you can go, yeah, that works. And if it doesn't, you can go, no, try again, until you get something where you're like, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it kind of, it feels very much like that of like, yeah, "Yeah, we might know, but like, if you come up with something better, we're going to be like, shit, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So the rumor is well, this we, is a this yeah. is a rumor. I want to emphasize this is a rumor. The rumor is we're not going to see any new rebooted X Men until after Secret Wars. Okay. Because they're going to put all the Fox people in Deadpool three and in Secret Wars, and then after that film, we're going to get the New Mutants in the MCU. Okay. If that's true, though, we're not going to see a mutant, f- another mutant for. 2026 2027 probably with all these delays yeah and i highly doubt i mean timeline wise it makes sense to get a writer by 2024 if that's the case mm-hmm. but i don't know i don't know what the what the thought is it could happen but again that's just rumors yeah i mean that's kind of a hard one too because for a while i know people really thought that it was going to be something tied to thanos's uh mm, snap yeah with that but also, at the same time, you have certain ones that are tied directly to things. For example, Wolverine is tied directly to adamantium, yeah. which has not been introduced in the MCU yet. Yet. Unless they make it vibranium or something, you know, unless they I, 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 re- I, I, retcon I, certain things. I know when, when adamantium's coming. Do you? Yeah. All right, don't tell me. Don't tell you? I, I can. I mean, I guess that's up to you if you want to tell the show. Yeah. Uh, again, this isn't coming from like a yeah. Hollywood Reporter deadline source, but a... Uh, an online source who's very accurate has said that uh, the mission in Captain America 4 mm-hmm. is they're trying to find adamantium because it's what the uh, eternal stuck in the ocean is made out of. Oh, interesting. But uh, the, And the thing is, though, too, even speaking, we do have little traces of the X-Men. Like, mm-hmm. uh, um, what's the island they go to in Falcon and Winter Soldier? Oh, oh, my God. Um, oh, fuck. It's it's killing me, dude. Madripoor. Madripoor. Fuck. Madripoor is a big X-Men yes. city there. Yes. Uh, we do have a mutant Ms. in Marvel. the MCU yeah. currently. You know, so the traces are there, but in terms of what they've been doing, what, the, what have they know, been up to? It could have just been in hiding. I mm-hmm. mean, people were like, well, how are they going to introduce the Eternals who've mm-hmm. been here this whole time and did nothing, and then they handled that? Yeah. You know, so it could be something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, my concern is... A big part of the X-Men mutant story mm-hmm. is people not liking or not wanting mutants around. And that's a tougher sell when there's been superheroes for like 20 years in this universe. Yeah. So I'm curious as to how that that's going to happen. But we'll see. We shall see indeed. Who, um, is that a fun little casting type things? Who would you like to casting. see? Like, not casting. If, who would you like to see kind of write and direct even Ooh. if it's a pairing a grouping well, if they're trying to find writers yeah i would dip back to phase one mcu and i would get cargill and derrickson 
Ooh, from Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. I've always said this from the top. I've always been pro a Matthew Vaughn X-Men movie. He has made one, and it's a good one that you happen to not like, you asshole. Matthew Vaughn's made an X-Men movie? He made X-Men First Class. Did he really? Yes. No. Yes. I refuse to And it's that. great. Did he actually? Watch it again. It's so good. He's like the only person on the planet who doesn't like X-Men First Class. Son of a bitch, he directed First Class? <laughs> what, you think I was lying to you or something? <laughs> yes. I always thought Matthew Vaughn would make a great X-Men movie. He has. He already has. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I just like Kingsman. Hey, his bestie would make a good movie. Guy Ritchie would make a good X-Men movie. Yo, Guy Ritchie would make the <laughs> fuck out of an X-Men movie. Are you kidding me? That's my answer. It has to be rated R, though. Um... Honestly, if we're talking writers, though, mm. I honestly would be fine, too, if they dip sort of into who's already introduced the mutants. I really liked the writing team behind Miss Marvel. Yeah. I believe she, the, the main showrunner, I think mm-hmm. she also wrote quite a bit for Loki, which I think is still oh, one of she? their better thing. Let me let me hold the show. Yeah. The creator of Miss Marvel is named Bisha Ali. Bisha Ali's writing credits include creative television. She was the executive story editor, story editor and written by for Loki. Yes. All six episodes. I don't know if she was involved in the second season because she Mm -hmm. moved on to Miss Marvel. Yeah. But I think there's some talent there. And if you want to go with directors, I mean, here's my thing too. I know the Batgirl stuff gained a lot of controversy around it and that it was just completely axed i'm curious if that has to do with the directors or if that has to do with the story just the movie as a whole yeah um but i thought that their the that duo their episodes of miss marvel were quite good yeah so i wouldn't be i wouldn't hate that yeah and i've heard that their bad boys movie was good i just haven't seen it that's what i mean so i mean that, that that's something intriguing yeah I mean, fuck it, give a care to that words one. <laughs> yeah, why, why not? Just because he's in the news. Yeah. I don't know. That's a tough one to kind of go into. Yeah. Honestly, something I would have said is I want Sean Levy to make one, but he's making Deadpool 3, so he is making an X-Men movie. Oh, Sean Levy would have been... He'd be good. Well, I mean, yeah. he's doing Deadpool 3. That doesn't mean he's done there, That's though. true. You that know, is true. He could very yeah. well come into that. Although, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they get him up into the... Uh, Avengers ranks, depending on how Deadpool 3 goes. Yeah, I could see him I agree. making a leap because Secret Wars still needs a director. That is true. This is true. Mm-hmm. Before we actually move on to the B-roll section of our show, there is something that we forgot to kind of mention last week that was happening kind of all at the same time that we did want to bring up on the show. Nick, I will let you take the reins on this. Yes, uh, we had another big loss to the sort of Hollywood family here. Uh, Michael Gambon passed away. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar with the name, you may better know him by one of his larger roles as Dumbledore in the Harry Potter franchise. Uh, the Irish-English actor was 82, and the article says that he passed uh, from a quick bout with pneumonia. Um, and like we said, he's very big in Harry Potter. Uh, on IMDb, he has over 171 credits, though, I looked at. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of my personal favorites, uh, he was in both Paddington movies. He was also in two Wes Anderson movies. I'm a big Wes Anderson fan. He had a voice role in Fantastic Mr. Fox, as well as a small role in Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which is my personal favorite Wes Anderson movie. Uh, But, you know, we do cover all things pop culture 
and movie-related stuff here, and he is such a big name with his involvement in the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah, and uh, it's a very sad passing. Mm -hmm. He's an incredible actor, and a performance that I want to shout out. I am biased because it is my my favorite piece of television media, Mm -hmm. but he's on an episode of Doctor Who. He plays a Scrooge. He plays a Scrooge-like character in an episode called A Christmas Carol. That was Michael Gambon. Yes, oh, that's a great episode. It's a gr- it's a fantastic yeah. episode. I watch it every Christmas. I never realized that was him. And he is fantastic mm-hmm. in it. And um, he was also a huge stage actor as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you know the acting community a real loss with his passing, mm-hmm. and it is very very sad to see. Yes, so definitely wanted to just take a moment to give our respects there for him. Yes, and. With that down, we are now going to move on to the B-roll section of our show, which is similar to the movie news section, except it's just headlines we wanted to bring in. Don't have a whole lot of time to take a deep dive. Nicholas, what's first up on our B-roll? Oh, right. Well, Netflix. You know Netflix. Yeah. Uh, remember when they used to mail DVDs? I do. Okay, apparently they were still doing that. <laughs> uh, as it has come out that Netflix has officially mailed out its last DVD. So, fun fact, the first DVD they shipped in 1998. It was a copy of Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. Nice. And to wrap this all up in a nice bow, the last movie, True Grit. Which one? The 2010 one directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Oh, neat. There's another one? <laughs> yeah, that's a remake. It's a remake? Of a John Wayne movie. It wasn't that one. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> I don't think there's anything innately funny about True Grit being the last one, but mm-hmm. for some reason I just find it humorous. Yeah. Like, it's just a very random, like, it wasn't a current release. It's yeah. a 13-year-old movie. Yeah. That wasn't, like, eh. Like, I liked we, it. Oh, I thought it got, like, it, on It's what put Haley that. Seinfeld on the map. But that's the like when her... she's young. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound really weird, but in my mind, True Grit and Cowboys versus Aliens are the same movie. <laughs> I have not I have not seen either of them, but in my mind they're like so that's what they are. They're, they're so different. In my mind they're exact that's the same movie. Oh my god. They're very different. <laughs> well, that's all I got on that. <laughs> um our next B-roll story, uh Letterboxd, something we use frequently on the show, our account links are in the description, uh has been acquired by the Canadian investment firm Tiny. At a $50 million valuation. you have any thoughts on that? Letterbox is going to get worse, probably. And a $50 value, million valuation is quite high for something that has slowly been taking off in the film community, but that's oh, no, a very high... Don't get me wrong. It's a high valuation. Yeah. It's good for Letterbox. They yeah. deserve it. I think they're a good community, but Letterbox, I think, like all areas of film criticism, is going to take that turn of... Oh, I'm a better critic than you because I'm on Letterboxd. Mm. I think that's going to take a... I think we're mere months away (laughs) from that. And uh, I also saw that they are going to launch TV shows on it now, which will be interesting. I don't know how I feel about that either. I feel like that should just be like a separate app, not integrated in it. Uh, Yeah. I, I don't think I'd like it if it's tied to my main list. Like, if there's another section that I can click, and yeah. that's my TV show. Like, shows. you hit the app button, then there's two buttons, movies or no, TV. No, not, e- not even that. But, like, you know, when you go to your watch list, like, yeah. film, watch list, TV, watch yeah, list. Yeah. Or film, mm-hmm. you know, how document, you know, whatever we mm-hmm. have. I think I'd prefer that. Fair. In which if listen, if they add it to the main one, let me tell you, I'm clearing all of you guys. You may <laughs> have more movies under me, but I know. man. You've watched so many TV shows to completion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Um, our next B-roll, the Golden Globes, if people still care about them, God. have added two new categories. And as I just said, we don't necessarily care about the Golden Globes, but they're so funny not to mention. Uh, they These two new categories are Box Office Hit and Stand-Up Comedy Special. Or Performance by an Actor in a Stand-Up Special. Mm-hmm. Why? I will take back everything I said about the Golden Globes if they nominate people in the crowd. <laughs> so there are there are certain like sort of parameters involved with it. To be a considered a box office hit, you must have grossed at least 150 million during your release, 100 million which have must come from the domestic box office. Streaming films will be viewed off of viewership. Uh, probably from the same data sources that the writers will be getting their viewership from because they will not release their data. And the comedy special is just the comedy specials that have occurred. This is really fucking stupid. Um, The Golden Globes are really fucking stupid. Uh, You know they're stupid when they suck so bad and do such terrible things that they don't even have a home to air their show last year. Or was it the year before? It was one of those. Mm -hmm. And uh, also... It's giving fan favorite at the Oscars. Yeah, they think they're doing people a favor Mm -hmm. by being able to nominate more films and people will watch. All you're doing is insulting the people who get nominated. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, so I'm not good enough for the award, but I'm good enough for this. Thank you very much, you know? Yeah. And also, they're just doing this so that more celebrities can come to the show. Mm -hmm. That's their goal. And all it's going to do is devalue movies that do well. And some of them don't deserve to do well, but some of them have the same artistic merits as movies that should be nominated for Best Picture. We've seen it time and again. Mm -hmm. And it's, I hate it. I'm glad the Oscars changed their mind. I know the Golden Globes won't because they're actually the worst. So there we go on that. And our last B-roll story, Gareth Edwards, as we talked about earlier in the show, uh, the director of The Creator, uh, has been just doing his press rounds for the movie. And there was a lot of sort of interesting rumors out there about his involvement in Rogue One. He was the director uh, and as many will know, uh, the third act was rewritten and reworked uh, very late into production. Uh, fantastic third act as yes. well. Uh, and they brought in uh, writer Tony Gilroy to rewrite, rewrite and act. restructure that third act. And there was a lot of rumors saying that he was sort of a ghost director, that it was all his. And when Andor came out, and Andor is a fantastic show, I mean, yes. it takes a lot to get nominated for best drama for a Star Wars show. Yeah. Um, People were like, oh, yeah, no, he definitely, like, ghost directed Because he's the showrunner of the Andor Exactly, yeah. yeah. And Gareth Edwards came out and was like, no, 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 no. He was heavily involved, and I wanted him heavily involved, and we worked very closely, but I did everything there. Yeah, and even on our show, we've said before, because it used to be just be common knowledge. Like, yeah, Tony Gilroy came in, and then he he reshot the rest of the movie. And Gareth Edwards in the press is finally spoken back on that and saying that that's not true how he phrased it was there's so much inaccuracy on the internet about this yeah and basically to summarize what he said i'm pulling from an interview that thr has it's basically just saying here i'm gonna i'm gonna read his quote yeah there's stuff the stuff that is out there on the internet about what happened on that film there's so much inaccuracy about the whole thing tony came in he did a lot of great work for sure no doubt about it but we all worked together until the last minute of that movie the very last thing we filmed in the pickup shoot was the Darth Vader corridor scene. I did all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was basically just kind of saying, like, fucking, I'm, I directed this movie, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, good on him, too, for holding out this long and not being, like, shitty with yeah. it at the well, moment I'm, there. I, and... I'm sure part of it was 
he didn't want to come across as a dick mm-hmm. and he didn't want to take shine away because i'm sure he heard about tony gilroy launching andor yeah and he's like oh I'm, i don't want to you know put a stink on that yeah you know and and also i'm sure when you make a star wars movie you sign every nda under the goddamn sun oh yeah and um uh, hold on i think they have was it loose loose lips sink starships yeah what they have like everywhere yeah and also there's a tony gilroy quote in here Mm -hmm. of him just talking about his experience and it's really funny and if this doesn't summarize that i think more people like this should be working on star wars then i don't know what will Mm -hmm. this is a quote he did in 2018 I've never been interested in Star Wars, ever, so I had no reverence for it whatsoever. I was completely unafraid about that. And they were in such a swamp, like, they were in such terrible, terrible trouble that all you could do was improve their position. Listen, I always think the best... (laughs) Amazing. the, The best people to work on franchises are those who have a deep, deep, deep love for it such as, you know, Dave Filoni mm-hmm. with Star Wars, or those who really don't care and just yeah. are doing it, and usually it's a great product. What I find the most often, mm-hmm. you obviously you want some sort of fandom there if it can exist, yes. right? But what matters is, are they a great director? Because mm-hmm. if you're a great director, it doesn't matter what you're making. Mm-hmm. You're going to make it great. Yeah, You have writers and producers and prop people and set designers and all that stuff to put in Easter eggs and all that stuff. Like... You don't have to know what any of it means. Mm-hmm. You just have to know, I need to direct the best movie I can. And that, I think, is a philosophy that more companies should follow. And if we're talking about people who just also genuinely enjoy things, Paul Thomas Anderson, big fan of the Venom movies. <laughs> big fan of the MCU. Well, there's our X-Men. <laughs> PTA X-Men? Oh, my God. I don't even know what that would even look like, dude. Do it, you coward. Just... Just do it so you can prove you can, just as a fuck you. Yeah. No, I mean, famously, after Endgame, like, he called Robert Downey Jr. and was like, oh, dude, that was fucking awesome. Like, he's just, he's just a guy. I, I want to have Terminator 2 is a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, man, what a guy. Yeah, what a guy. What a guy indeed. But uh, that is it for the B-roll. I will uh, let Dalton introduce the next subject. Yes. With that down, guys, we are now going to move on to the box office. The box office. It's a doozy. Do you have our predictions from last week? I do. Uh, Dalton, you had The Creator at number one, mm-hmm. Saw X at number two, mm-hmm. Paw Patrol at number three, mm-hmm. The Nun at number four, mm-hmm. and Dumb Money in fifth. Okay. I had Saw X as number one, The Creator as number two, Paw Patrol at number three, Dumb Money number four, The Nun two, number five. Take a quick guess. We were both wrong. Yes. Oh, boy. Hit me with it. Coming in number one, making $23 million. Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie. (laughs) Nick, it gets better. It gets so much better. $23 million? Yep. I mean, fucking congratulations, Paw Patrol, I guess. Oh, yeah. Way to counter-program. Go on. Coming in second, Saw X, making $18 million. Okay. Coming in third, The Creator, making $14 million. Mm-hmm. Coming in fourth, The Nun 2, making $4.6 million. 4.6? Mm-hmm. Okay. And coming in fifth, a Fathom event movie called The Blind, which was a biopic about the guy from Duck Dynasty, making $4.1 million. And just to let you know, 
Haunting in Venice came in sixth. Dumb Money came in seventh. The Blind is about Duck Dynasty? One of the guys from Duck Dynasty, yes. It's like a biopic about him. Four million? All right. Fathom event. What a week. Yeah. Holy shit. All right. It's a hell of a week. So Go off. let's dive into this, shall we? Yeah. Uh, Paw Patrol, the mighty movie, worldwide has a $46 million made on a budget of 30. So it's at 1.5 times its production budget already. It will for sure end up being profitable. Oh, yeah. Unless it completely shits the bed, which I doubt. Mm-hmm. Saw X worldwide has $29 million on a budget of 13. So... It'll be profitable by, like, Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, by the time you're watching this, yeah. Saw X would have made its money. Oh, yeah. The Creator, worldwide, has $32 million, made on a budget of 80 It's at 0.4 times the budget, so it has an uphill battle to climb. Yeah. But the new Exorcist movie comes out next week, and while horror will make money and how it doesn't have a huge budget, so it should be fine, I don't think there's a whole lot of drive that will prevent people from seeing The Creator. The creator's story is going to be told in its second weekend drop. Mm-hmm. If it has a good drop, new life. If it doesn't, yeah. count yeah, it out. Because it might just... Yeah. No, I don't, 160 is a big ask, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just double. Yeah. It needs to make like 200. Yeah. That's Godspeed. Godspeed, indeed. Uh, the Nun 2 now has $231 million worldwide. Goddamn. Shmoney. Shmoney, indeed. Horror and shmoney. And the blind, like I said, only opened domestic because it was a Fathom event, but it opened on a Wednesday, so its total performance is $4.9 million, almost to five. I don't have any budget details, and I looked for several minutes. Um, a Haunting in Venice now has $89 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. I hope it gets to 100 for the memes. And uh, Dumb Money now has $7 million worldwide. You didn't hear that incorrectly. Seven. <laughs> Dumb money is not making dumb money. How long are we sitting on that? A while. <laughs> uh, Equalizer 3 now has $158 million worldwide. Decent job, Equalizer 3. Expend Affordables now has $36 million worldwide. Hey. 0.4 times its budget. Uphill battles, baby. You know what? I've been saying Expend Affordables. It's Expend Affordables. Expend Affordables. Damn. I'm saying it wrong. Coming in 10th was Barbie, because of course it did. Adding on to that $1.433 billion box office it has. And um, just a reminder, everyone, these are the Sunday estimates. Uh, We will have the final Monday numbers in the description below. Yes. Paw Patrol number one. God damn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. We might get three horror movies in the top five next week. That's possible. Saw X, None 2, and um, Exorcist. Exorcist. Is anything coming out with Exorcist? Nothing crazy. Okay. Although the blind snuck up on us. Yeah. Which I knew it was coming out. Like I had people who wanted to see it and yeah. tell me about it, but I didn't realize it was going to have that huge of a Fathom debut. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There is another movie kind of like that coming out called Mother Teresa and Me, but I don't think if it has the Fathom to pull off another $5 million total, I doubt it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do something nutty. Go on. Coming in first next week. Yes. Paw Patrol. Oh. I think it's going to double up. Okay. Coming in second, Exorcist. Believer. Okay. Third, Saw X. Fourth, The Creator. Five, The Nun 2. 
I'm going to double down on my horror. Hey, you know what? And it is October now, so maybe I fucked up. Exorcist. Uh Uh-huh. Paw Patrol. Saw. None. Damn. Creator. You might have nailed it. I don't know. That's that's banking on a very sizable drop on Creator. I I know it's going to be number one the following week. Taylor Swift. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Can we just put it as the top five? Like, if it makes... If it makes five times the amount of the second place movie, I will call it as this that she has won the entire box office. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh but yeah. No, Insane. I mean it'll be an interesting couple next next couple weeks for sure. Do you see that uh Beyonce movie is gonna get a uh release December first? Yes. I very excited just because I want to see how it pairs up with Taylor Swift. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Uh yes. And he- A Battle of Titans. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yes. And here's here's what here's what upsets me. Mm-hmm. Hollywood loves to learn the wrong lesson because the lesson they're going to take away from the Taylor Swift thing is we should really invest in more concert films. Yeah. The lesson is people want to go to the movie theater mm-hmm. if you give them something they want to see. Yeah. And if you make the prices not crazy. Well, I don't know. Taylor Swift was charging quite a premium, but it was for a meme, and I appreciate it. And it's for a that. concert. One, it's for a concert movie. You're paying for a three-hour movie. A three-hour concert movie. Yeah. Yeah. Fathom events usually cost about $20 anyway. Okay, yeah. And you have, every time there's a discount day, like National Cinema Day, sold out movies everywhere. Mm-hmm. People want to go. Yeah. It's just too damn expensive. Production budget down, marketing budget up. It's not hard to comprehend. That's how you get it done. This is true. It's upsetting. With that down, uh, before we go, guys, we do want to give you a couple quick reminders. Uh, We do have an audio-only version of the show that you can find on your podcasting app of choice. And if you're listening on the audio-only versions, please come and support us on YouTube as well by subscribing, clicking the like button, commenting. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comment section. And do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah. Also, as always, links to all of our social media can be found in the description, as well as some fun other things. I'll throw in our link to our creator review if you have not seen it yet, um, and just uh, all the links to the articles and sources we've used. Also, we have a really fun new end screen, so please stick around for it. <laughs> yeah, make sure to check that out. And we're really bad at ending the show, aren't we? We're really bad. Yeah.